June 3rd. Today we begin a new book in the New Testament. Today we begin reading from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 26. We'll see that uh, 120 ordinary people hardly constitute an imposing army. But in a few days, they would make an impact that is being felt even today. The same resources God gave them are still available to us. Now Christ is the head of the church and supplies life to His body, giving dynamic and direction to His people. What He began to do and teach, the church continues as He guides and empowers through His Spirit. God's power is available to God's people who want to do His will and be His witnesses. You do not have to be an apostle to have the power of the Spirit in your life. We'll learn about the promise of His return. He is the Lord of history, working out His purposes in the world. The church may lose some battles, but we will win the war. And we'll learn about the power of prayer. God shares His power with us as we pray and ask Him for His help. Throughout the book of Acts, notice Luke's emphasis on prayer. The first church was a praying church. His word is still our lamp and light, and we must obey what it says. God guides His people when they're willing to follow. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. June 3rd, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 26. Dear Theophilus, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day He ascended to heaven after giving His chosen apostles further instructions from the Holy Spirit. During the forty days after His crucifixion, He appeared to the apostles from time to time and proved to them in many ways that He was actually alive. On these occasions, He talked to them about the kingdom of God. In one of these meetings, as He was eating a meal with them, He told them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what He promised. Remember, I have told you about this before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. When the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Him, Lord, are you going to free Israel now and restore our kingdom? The Father sets those dates, He replied, and they are not for you to know. But when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power and will tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It was not long after he said this that he was taken up into the sky while they were watching, and he disappeared into a cloud. As they were straining their eyes to see him, two white-robed men suddenly stood there among them. They said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring at the sky? Jesus has been taken away from you into heaven, and some day, just as you saw him go, he will return. The apostles were at the Mount of Olives when this happened. So they walked the half-mile back to Jerusalem. Then they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here is the list of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, 
Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together continually for prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, on a day when about 120 believers were present, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, it was necessary for the Scriptures to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided the temple police to arrest Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us, chosen to share in the ministry with us. Judas bought a field with the money he received for his treachery, and falling there, he burst open, spilling out his intestines. The news of his death spread rapidly among all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name Alkeldama, which means field of blood. Peter continued, This was predicted in the book of Psalms, where it says, Let his home become desolate, with no one living in it. And again, Let his position be given to someone else. So now we must choose another man to take Judas's place. It must be someone who has been with us all the time that we were with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us into heaven. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justus, and Matthias. Then they all prayed for the right man to be chosen. O Lord, they said, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas the traitor in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots. And in this way, Matthias was chosen and became an apostle with the other eleven. whatever gods may be, for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet, the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul.
You know, there's 768 million people without clean water in the world today. 25 million people in Africa losing their lives to AIDS and one in six children going hungry every day. When I hear those stats, I think, is anything we're doing actually working? I mean, if it is working, how can we be certain? I might as well not even try to help because, well, I'm just one person. See, that despair could be solved with a little dose of perspective, a story that tells the truth and not just the wreckage, because the truth is, according to stats, darkness is losing. I repeat, darkness is losing. Okay, you don't believe me. Did you know since 2000, there are 8 million more AIDS patients getting antiviral drugs? Every year, more than 2.5 million less children graves are being dug. Let that sink in. That's 7,256 more children that are living every day. See, progress is being made. Because justice, it isn't a gavel in a black robe. It's setting the world to rights. It's fixing what's broken. It's crushing strife. It's restoring genuine humanness and being an ambassador of light. Because church, God was willing to die to set this world right. So let that be our cry and why we give our life. But first... Justice also isn't a lot of things. Justice isn't doing good things simply because they benefit you. It's not using good causes to build your platform too. In fact, it's not sexy, it's messy, and it's not arbitrary kindness, but standing firm for which true. I mean, who cares about how much we sing about justice at our shows? Here's the real question. When's the last time we had a non-Christian in our home? So real quick, let me tell you what justice is. Justice is throwing the lasso around heaven and pulling it down to earth. It's loving your neighbor no matter how much it hurts. It's where we got sit-ins. Women saying, I don't belong in the kitchen. Pushback of hypocritical religion. And Christians saying, we'll die for these causes if that's the only way you'll listen. See, justice is the church's mission. It's looking at the prince of darkness and saying, you're riding a sinking ship because our king is risen. See, the whole point of this poem is to be encouraged that darkness is losing. Jesus is moving. Thanks to you all and the work you've been doing, lives are being changed. People are getting clean water. Peace is being restored and people are getting cured. So my plea is don't give up. Don't let up. Let's stop thinking what we've done is enough because new creation is here, yes, and the sun is in the sky, but it's not over. In fact, it's just sunrise because the victory's been won, but we aren't done until with our own eyes we see Revelation 21 because true justice is bending the world back to how it was created to be, saying we're created for the Shaloma Genesis 1 and not Genesis 3. So let's be God's agent of reconciliation that everyone sees and let us never forget the church's plan A and there is no plan B. Today we're reading Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8, where we'll see that God is your helper. The God who made the hills is the God who gives you help. He is a God of the hills and the valleys, and His help is available to all who will call upon Him. God is also your keeper. The pilgrims traveled together for fellowship and safety because the roads were dangerous. The dangers in modern society are just as great, if not greater. But God goes before you and stays awake to guide you and guard your path. He is next to you and over you, and He will take you safely to Zion. 
Now be sure to lift your eyes high enough so that uh, you see by faith the great God who cares for you. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let you stumble and fall. The one who watches over you will not sleep. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never tires and never sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not hurt you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all evil and preserves your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. 